0: We're podcasting remote across the globe. Grab your favorite umbrella drink and the notes app on your phone while we chat with entrepreneurs, marketing leaders, and remote employees across the globe about the hashtag work from anywhere movement, the culture of the countries they're working in, cool projects at the forefront of marketing and tech, and the culture of remote work. I'm your host, Gianna Barrett, the founder and chief remote officer of First Page Strategy, a growth marketing agency that's been remote since 2016. Are you ready to take this journey with us? Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Remotely Cultured. I'm your host, Gianna, calling in from Roach, Honduras, where I run FPS and host this podcast. This episode is brought to you by First Page Strategy. At FPS, we use data and big ideas to produce exponential growth for product-led brands who need to nail their acquisition goals. For example, in one year, we've grown a client's total revenue 197%, their organic revenue by 300%, and paid revenue by over 1,000%. If you're a SaaS, fintech, or startup and need to hit your 2023 high-growth acquisition goals, check us out at firstpagestrategy.com. Today we have with us Renee Warren. Welcome, Renee. Where are you calling in from today? Thanks, Gianna. Uh, The mountains of Kelowna, British Columbia. Ah, Kelowna, British Columbia. I love it. We have not had a Canadian on the podcast yet. What? Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners a little bit about... The culture of Colonia, what it's like to be there and live there and work yeah. there.
1: So Kelowna is, is interesting. Last year, it was actually Canada's fastest growing city that had nothing to do with immigration. It was just people that were already living in Canada that were moving here um, for many reasons. One is it is a almost like a little hidden gem, not so hidden anymore. It is on a lake called Lake Okanagan, which goes for miles from one city to the next. It is surrounded by beautiful mountains. And if you're okay. anything of an outdoor lover, they have some of the world's best downhill skiing, snowboarding, hiking trails, downhill mountain biking, snow biking, you name it. It's here. It exists. So the draw is for the lifestyle, but also that this is a growing entrepreneurial hub. There's a lot of tech oh, startups that are out of here, too. Um, okay. And so people are coming here because they want to live here. I love that.
0: And how? where is that um,
1: in relation to Vancouver and with? Yeah. So if you Vancouver is right on the ocean. We're about a a four-and-a-half-hour drive inland. Okay. Got that. And what should, if our
0: listeners find themselves in Cornia, British Kelowna. (laughs) Kelowna. Kelowna. You got it. (laughs) What is a food uh, um, where you're at that everybody should try?
1: Well, the restaurants are pretty fabulous. I will say this. We have been placed on the map as of the last like four or five years as a top wine district in the world. So all the top sommeliers know of, Col- or, um, we call it Kelowna Fournia, mm-hmm. Colona wine. We have-, I- yeah. we have over 300 vineyards, 200 wineries and growing. Um, ah, and so the food, I can't say there's one thing, but um, the food is amazing um, it I mean, it's Canadian, so if there's a good poutine, there's a good poutine.
0: Yeah. And you can't beat a wine country. I'm some new, I love wine countries. I'll have to come and check it
1: out. It is it um. is insane, the wines here. We just did a tour of this O'Rourke family estate winery, which when it's done being developed, will be probably one of the largest wineries in North America.
0: Wow, really? That's amazing. I'm going to have to look them up. Um, cool. Okay. And how long have you been working remote? Since forever. <laughs> forever? I feel like I I just, I don't know. Before so forever means before 2020 when I talk to
1: people. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I ran a PR agency um, and we did have an office with our employees in it. And then people, and then we started to give them um, leeway to in the summertime. It's like, hey, it's Friday. You can work from wherever Fridays. That was our rule. As long as you Tell us if you're going to be offline or if you're just going to take the afternoon off. I don't care. We don't, we were a small company. We never tallied absences or how much time people took off. They got the work done. They could start at 4 a.m. They needed to be done at noon. Um, And it kind of led into us just not having an office anymore. And this was back in 2018, 2017, 2018. Okay. And then before oh, the times on that for sure. Oh, yeah. I've been fully remote since at least that. then. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. I love that. Um, and to tell our listeners a little bit more about Renee, Renee Warren is an award-winning entrepreneur, inspirational speaker, author, and founder of We Wild Women, a platform that helps women-led businesses gain the media and PR exposure they deserve. She's also the host of the celebrated podcast, Into the Wild, a program that features curated interviews with women entrepreneurs and provides actionable advice to women who are launching or growing their own dream businesses. When she's not coaching or podcasting, you can find Renee spending time with her family. And in addition, she loves CrossFit, travel, and refining her
1: drumming skills. I love that. So you are a new drummer or an old drummer? Um uh, I would like to say that I'm new. So I started when I was, oh gosh, you're going to age me here, when I was 38 years old. (laughs) And I've always wanted to do it. And then just out of a whim, I signed up for classes. And I realized for me, it was the most beautiful form of meditation. So I did hour-long classes and I just learned a new musical instrument. And today I have my electric drum set right next to my desk.
0: Amazing. That's so cool. I love that so much. Okay. So today we're going to spend some time diving deep into the PR world, which I know you know a lot about, um, and talk a little bit about how some of our listeners who are entrepreneurs or leaders at product-led brands or their own companies can leverage PR at their own companies. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about your history of We Wild Women, who your clients are, and the type of work that you do.
1: Yeah. So in 2012... When I was eight months pregnant with my first son, Max, I at the time I had been working on some contract stuff with a friend of mine, Heather, and I was mostly doing social media, um, online ad kind of stuff and content marketing for tech startups out of the valley. (laughs) And she was doing PR and that was her only focus. And we were collaborating on projects because I didn't know the PR landscape. And when I was, I remember this eight months pregnant. We go out for lunch, and I was like, "Hey Heather, why don't we just go into business together?" Because it just made sense at this point. And she's yeah. like, "Well, you're almost gonna have a baby, and it's your first. So what does that look like for me?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> babies just sleep all day, which is true because they don't sleep at night." I go, "We got this." So, anyways launched the business, incorporated, landed clients right away from South Africa to San Diego. And 11 months later, welcome to my second son. So in the first year of business, I had two babies. They're Irish twins. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And we we still grew the business to 12 employees, uh, over seven figures. Um, But little did I know is that every year, the stress had been compounding. But so we worked. So we worked with funded tech companies, and that was our focus. And we had other clients too. It's the halo effect, right? You always attract some people that aren't your ideal customer, but you like them and you want to support them. Um, which led me to writing a book uh, called "Get Covered: How to Craft, Pitch, and Tell Your Startup Story to Get More Customers." Yeah, cool. Which eventually, um, going through due diligence, I was so close to selling the company, but at that point, I was. I'd so burnt out. I couldn't even go through the idea of working for somebody else on a two-year run-out. So I was like, I I just, I'm not doing this. Shut her down, which is fine. My husband was in a great position at that time. And just started doing a little coaching and started a a program called Family Academy, which helps entrepreneurial couples, um, couples live a more integrated life. Wasn't in line with that. Then started something else and it finally came back to We Wild Women which was mostly coaching female entrepreneurs. But in that time, I kept getting asked, Renee, Renee, are you going to be doing PR again? Like, no, no, no. I don't know if I can get back into this space. Well, it wasn't until December 8th of just last year. So like six, seven months ago, the time of this recording. Yeah, yeah, I was at a Tony Robbins event in Florida and he just cracked me open in terms Mm -hmm. of why I'm not pursuing the things that I want to be doing. Why am I avoiding this thing that I know I'm good at, that I love? And so finally, I don't know if you've ever been to a Tony event, you're there I for haven't. 16 hours and it's some mm. long day. And it's like two o'clock in the morning on day three and you're just like tired, hungry, just want to go home. And I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to do PR again. I don't know what it's going to look like, but this, this is my calling. Get back to our Airbnb and did a quick email check and as luck would have it, I had two emails in my inbox waiting for me saying, hey, Renee, I want to hire you to do PR. Oh, my gosh. So That's I'm like, it. okay. That's amazing. Obviously, this is what I got to do. So then I got back into it. And now I work mostly with female-led businesses. They could be tech. They could not be tech. Um, yeah. To help them increase their authority and their brand recognition. I
0: love that. That's so beautiful. I um, have gone through similar phases in my career and my entrepreneurial life and kind of dug deep into a lot of Gabby Bernstein stuff. It kind of was my first um, tiptoe into following kind of your calling or the universe or figuring out what makes you happy, what your fears are that you're not approaching. And so I love that that's that's this backstory to your business as well. Um, So why... Do you think that it's so important for businesses and brands or entrepreneurs to be doing PR? What is special about that channel? Because we all know there's a million channels. There's SEO and content and um, a lot of ways to kind of spend your money, right?
1: Yeah. Well, you can just spend it with us, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, I genuinely believe that PR is the mother of all marketing everything fits underneath it. And why is that? Because it's ultimately about relationship building. Mm-hmm. So me coming on your show is a form of PR. And now we're developing a relationship. And hopefully the way this will go is if once if someone comes to me and then they need what you have, then I would recommend you and vice versa. Um, but with PR, the reality is it is the most trusted form of marketing because it's earned media. So it, the way that it kind of perceived is that, oh, if a publication is going to write about them or the person's going to be on a podcast, then they have to be somebody notable doing something great, right. which is generally the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. But also that it doesn't have to cost you anything. It costs your time. So with advertising, you have to not only spend a budget, but if you want to do it well, you got to hire an expert. Great. Right? Yeah. Same with SEO and content. Sure, you can do those things by yourself. PR the end of the day is one of the easier forms because it's just about relationship building and networking and just doing that constantly. Yes, there's formulas. Yes, there's a cadence to things. And I teach all that and I do all that for clients. But really, anybody in any business can do it and there's no excuses. People come to me, hey, Renee, I'm just starting. So when do I do this? A lot of people kind of put it off. I always say start today. And I don't mean go out and start pitching Forbes and Inc. entrepreneur. No. Start creating the system. Start understanding your ideal customer. Where do they hang out online? What books do they read? What podcasts do they listen to? Start finding those podcast hosts. Start finding the journalists. Creating your media list. Following with them, engaging them. Understanding that if that's what your customers are listening to, reading, whatnot, you got to figure out creative ways to get in front of them using those channels. Yeah,
0: Make sense. And, you know, I think that there is an old school definition of PR, right? We work with a lot of brands at FPS and a lot of founders. They think of PR as um, the media stuff, like the forms and the entrepreneur and how are we going to get those logos on our homepage? But what you just talked about with podcasting is a wider definition of PR. So can you just give our listeners what you, all the things that you consider to be PR and what they should be looking at outside of just articles on big tier one websites
1: and those are great if you're in seo you understand that space very well to be linked back from a top performing yeah. website is huge it's like all the google right. juice you need but pr is also applying for awards nominating like yourself or somebody in your team or somebody from your team and nominating you um yeah. it's also signing up to be a speaker at different events the people that are go on stage and they crush their talk get so much business but there's there's a whole formula that goes into creating the the brand that you are to be the person that applies to be a speaker um sometimes yeah. you're paid sometimes you're not it is also a podcast roadshow so it could mean hey you know i'm launching something in the next six months and i want to get on as many relevant podcast podcasts as possible to talk about xyz um it could be like anything from launching, you're raising around. If you're a tech startup, that's important, right? Why is that important? It doesn't necessarily get you customers, but it builds the credibility. Investors love seeing the companies they've invested in online mentioned in TechCrunch. Yeah. <laughs> um. So there's the authority piece. There's a credibility piece. A lot of the times you'll, you'll go to a website and you'll see the as seen in Women's Day or TechCrunch. And it's like, oh, OK, so. All of a sudden now, whether you know it or not, subconsciously or consciously, this brand becomes relevant to you because it seems credible because other publications that are notable had mentioned you. And so yeah. that's the importance of it. Right. And it just kind of snowballs from there. And the cool thing about PR is there's, there's you know, a handful of ways of doing it. One is like you have an announcement or you have a launch or something notable coming up. And there's a timing for this. Like on this day, this thing is happening. So you have to build up towards it. Then there's the other form of PR where it's like, how do we just constantly stay in front of our customers all the time? So it's Mm -hmm. like the maintenance type of PR. Both are very important. Um, Some require more thought than others. But anybody can do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's just a matter of figuring out your customer, where they hang out, crafting those pitches, getting in front of the right decision makers for you to constantly, you know, get a buzz around your brand.
0: Yeah. So... Um, the benefits for PR, obviously, you've mentioned some of them now. It's the credibility, it's the buzz, being in front of their, your customers. Is there anything else that you could call out as specific benefits brands would get from
1: PR? Yeah, it's, the, it's notori- notoriety. Notoriety. Yeah. So right now, I mean, to start a business now compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's so easy. And the yeah. barrier to entry is like the fees are so nominal compared to what they used to be. I can go bang right. out, register an in incorporation now, open up a bank account, and within two weeks, I can be up and running. No problem. Yep. So right. now that anybody can start a business, and this is such a beautiful place that we're in, especially for the economy, um, right. is now you have to outshine, outperform other people. The Reality is now there's more people vying for that attention. And so when you look at the traditional form of PR, coupled with uh, social media and content marketing, which I call the PR engine, is the pretty much the only way you can stay top of mind for um, consumers today.
0: Okay, let's dig a little bit deeper there because you just mentioned that social media and content—you look at them as being potential PR channels. Um, we also know that they can be growth channels, right? So, how do you look at PR, How do you look at those two channels specifically, content and social, as a PR channel? What can yeah. How can people be leveraging those channels for PR?
1: Yeah, so there's two ways of doing the social is you can use it to actually get a lot of following and engaged, engaged followers and sell there. It works for me. It works for a lot of my clients. I will say this, especially if you're a smaller company, um, actually any size company, is when you're pitching your company, journalists are gonna go to your most engaged social feed. So say you yeah. on your website, you're like, follow us on Instagram, and you have two posts and two followers. It doesn't say much right. about your brand. And so you have to you have to build up that relevancy using social media because they want to see that people are engaging or talking about you. And if you're just starting your account, that's fine. Just make sure you have really great content and you're consistent with it. Because whatever social media channels you're sharing, whether it's on the footer of your uh, the signature of your email, or if it's on your website, you better be populating that content. Don't throw everything up there. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, if you're only using one of them. Take the other ones down. Yep. Because there's nothing yep. like going to someone's Twitter account and their last tweet was from 2017. Right. Point. Yeah, right. And so but- social is a great way, and especially a great way to connect with other journalists, to find other opportunities. I use it to sell. Like, and, and I hate the word sell, it just seems like there's like, I don't know, I just, I hate the word sell. I use it to figure out if there's any way I can provide value to the people that are following me. And if yeah, they happen to be a little better. city, <laughs> right? And be
0: authentic. You seem very authentic. Holy your brand is very authentic. So I think that's a big it too, right? Like how do you bring your authentic brand, your authentic self to your channels and your PR and what you're sharing so that, that comes yeah. across when you're trying to sell. I think that that's better selling,
1: right? Yeah, like there's selling, there's PR, there's such a gray area with how all of these mm-hmm. things connect. Um, I was actually recording a solo episode yesterday for my show where I'm like, I'm so surprised at how brands that have like brick and mortar misuse social media. They don't, I yeah. don't have to be sharing all this incredible content all the time. If I ran a dental office, a spa, a nail salon, a boutique clothing store in a community, I would go on Instagram and I would find all of the people that are my ideal customers in some sense. Whenever there's a down moment, I would train my staff to do the same. And if they're tagging the location, so for us, Kelowna, BC, I take yeah. Kelowna a lot. There's only ever been one local business that has reached out to me one-to-one say, their name is Care Dental. They're a dentist company here that have a yeah. way of approaching the industry. They said, hey, Renee, welcome to Kelowna. If you happen to need a dentist while you're here, let me know. We decided to move here. Sure enough, we needed a dentist. Sure enough, my kids needed stuff like braces, like thousands of dollars worth of business. Yeah. Because Ali reached out and said, if you ever need a dentist. Now, imagine a fashion person said, "Hey Renee, if you ever need something for an event or a party you're going to, I'd love to offer you like a free little like fashion consultation or stylish thing um, when yeah. you come in, and I'll and we'll, we'll book a time. Absolutely, I would do that. Right? Nobody does it, and that is a form of PR because yes, it's selling, but it's also relationship building, and it takes two seconds yeah. to figure that out."
0: So this is my problem, I think, with the way that, that how social media has evolved, because I started my career in social back in 2007 with Twitter and that some of those companies were still just launching. And it was really focused on relationship building at that point. And now as a founder of an DM company, a lot of people we interview, try to get in. I've found that there, we've gotten to this point where social media is a schedule forget it, and it's like posts the five posts you want to put all at the same time out on the channel and then log off and you don't when i was a social media manager i grinded like i was doing the outreach i was creating lists of people to follow and so we've kind of lost that side of social media and you said it is super important it's the it's the the whole reason you should be on branded social media is to build relationships with your potential customers I'm and try to seek out where your customers are online it's not creating a blog post and pushing it out on five different platforms hoping someone finds it
1: right yeah absolutely not you yeah. know I, I say it's it's used to create those relationships right. like whenever somebody follows me for the most part if i remember to do this because sometimes i get influx of followers and i see oh she or he is a really cool person they're doing really cool stuff could be a father or mother whatever and especially if they're my ideal customer i'll say hey Jana, thanks for the follow curious like why are you following me those are mm-hmm. co- like content. And then I will follow by a, a voice note because you can't not listen to a voice note. <laughs> right. And I was why don't you do, what channel are you doing this on? I mean, that's on there. Instagram. That's on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, I see you're in Honduras. That is awesome. Tell me about the remote culture out there. You know, how are you connecting with other female entrepreneurs? Because you're like, oh, geez, she's paying attention to where I am and what I'm doing. This girl cares. Yeah. And then, hey, if it happens to fit that what I'm selling is what you need, that's great. Maybe the timing's off. But I guarantee you, we'll build that relationship. And if one of your buddies is like, hey, I'm looking for somebody in PR. Can you recommend? Somebody you would be like, yes, this cool girl Renee. You got to check her out because you're building that relationship. And it doesn't take much. Let me tell you, if you can do that five times a day, five days a week, you'll get business like that. So do you run your business Instagram personally instead of having someone manage it for you? So my personal Instagram, yeah, that's me, all me. I even get people are like, is this really you, Renee? And that's when I have to send the voice note to confirm, absolutely, it's me. Yeah, Um, But business account is run through my my executive assistant, Morgan, she does all that, she's amazing. Yeah, because that used to be the set it and forget it. And now we're actually putting more intention behind it. Because I've created a system for this. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay.
0: And I know, you know, we're talking a lot about, about PR channel and how you're getting your brand out there and talking about your brand. And it really, to me, PR is a brand awareness channel, right? It is like a brand channel, It's like where you need to be very clear about who and what your brand is and get that message out. Would you agree with that?
1: hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what I come across, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about this, is we work with a lot of product-led brands or startups or tech brands. They're high growth, right? We're a growth marketing agency. And generally what I find is that they're only focused in growth and they're not focused in a lot of the branding channels. We we do have certain clients where we you know, are more full service for them and we go into the brand channels, but we've done some of that work. But what would you say or how would you speak to companies that aren't thinking about the branding or the PR side as early as they should be? And when should you be starting that? I think I know your answer, but I want you to go ahead.
1: I don't know. It might surprise you. Um, uh, to answer this question, you all have to read the book Ready, Fire, Aim. Ready, Fire, Aim. Okay. Yeah. Because he argues that in the first in your first million dollars of revenue, generically speaking for industries, is you should just be focusing on sales. That okay. should be the number one focus. However, yeah. as you get those growth spurts in sales, shame on you not to start thinking about branding. Cuz there's going to come and a did point you say where 1 million in sales? Yeah, I think that's I think how, I don't know, they have like okay. different categories like 0 to one million, one million to 5, 5 to 10. Mm-hmm. But it's true. And 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 for me I think the way that I Understood that is especially for smaller companies, it could be people that are working on their startup, they have you know a handful of lines of code, and they have something that works. Um, focus on the sales. If you don't have the budget for a brand, don't do that. You need to get the customers, because you have to prove yeah. to either your customers or to potential investors that your product works and you have people that want it. Yeah, but you also have to start thinking about what that is. What is the brand? What's the brand identity? What's your ethos? for your customers mm-hmm. this is so important and at the so same important. time you're like what's the long-term PR strategy in all of this branding is yeah. is huge and I know that a lot of coaches and like important people will say well don't do the branding right away and I agree like don't on day one you got to write the yeah. first line of code but beyond that it is something you have to think about it doesn't have to yeah. be polished or perfect that's for sure
0: that's great advice. I've never heard that before. Sell first, up to one million. Ready, fire, aim. Good book to read, and then get going on your brand. Love it. Well, yeah. cool. um, what are some types of KPIs in or- when- once you get started in branding and you do these different types of PR work? What are some of the KPIs you should be tracking and measure if it's working or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a long-standing battle on whether or not PR is measurable. I actually wrote a really good article Mm -hmm. on Prowley, which I'll send you the link so You can throw that in show notes if it gets relevant. I would love Um, to, Yeah. But really it's about, because, I mean, I can think of a handful of stories where it's like, we got a lot of great media coverage and it didn't actually turn into any sales whatsoever. Um, Mm -hmm. Traffic that turns into sales is one thing. Then you have to look at the long-term SEO play. If your content or articles get, start getting ranked, that's huge too. So, a strategy that used to work for content marketing and why this has been so important part of the PR engine was that back in like 2016, 2017, and I know this still works today, is we would collaborate with companies that already had bigger um, following, like Neil Patel, uh, Canon yeah. 5. We would actually say, hey, Neil, I'd love to write this, this article, this downloadable guide, and we'll do all the writing, all the design. You just help us promote it and then we'll share that it, the um the list perfect we do that well what happened is that now those links are going to our website so now our little pr agency website we had a great blog it was it had a lot of traffic yeah of genius and so we now started getting notable but the mm-hmm. pr component in that is i'm still pitching the idea to somebody else and we do this over and over again. If you actually go to Neil Patel's website and you Google my name, my content still keeps coming up under PR. And this was like, I don't even know, 2015. Could be early, yeah, I think. 2014. Right. Um, so remind me, what was the question again? I feel like I got off track there. Oh so, no, KPIs. yes, KPIs. Traffic yes. is huge, obviously where you can um where you can relate a mention or a podcast or something to traffic to sales is important. Unlike ads where it's like hey your cost per click was this and your cost per email was like a buck 50, you can't really do that with PR. But yeah. you can you can do it based on, you know, if your if your social following is growing because of some of the social stuff that you're doing. That's relevant yeah. PR worthy. Um, but yeah, I'll send you that link and then you can you can like people can read it because it's it's pretty detailed about measurement.
0: Cool. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Um and let's say that you are a brand. We've talked a lot about you've said a little bit about how you don't have to hire, you know, expensive expert or an agency to get started in this. Let's talk a little bit about the DIY approach to getting PR off the ground. Um I know that you have like some specific tactics that you talk about at your company and that you share. And so can you share a little bit of those with some of our listeners today?
1: Yeah. So my I have two programs. One is your typical retainer-based model. And the other one, which is my favorite, is called the Authority Booster Intensive. And to break it down simply is I create the strategy. So I, in detail, answer all the questions you just asked me. Um, they create your ultimate PR strategy so that you can integrate it within your team. And internally, your team is executing on this. And it's a okay. process that works for finding wholesalers. If you're in a product space, the same process for business development. It's a formula that works for so many different parts of the business. But really, when it comes to the do-it-yourself method is, going back to what I said earlier, really defining your ideal customer. Where are they hanging out online in person? What are the publications, podcast events, speaking opportunities that you should be doing in order to get in front of them? Crafting the pitch, then reaching out to either the podcast hosts or the context media contacts, um, following up. So, podcast typically the cadence is pitch, follow up two weeks later, then four weeks later, and then probably not going to work after four weeks, but who knows? Maybe it's a not a now thing. Um, but also in the pitch indicating how you're going to provide value to the podcast host and the audience um okay and so the way that i the simplest way for this to be effective is you have to put in at least i call it like 90 day rule the method needs to be a firing for 90 days in order for it to be effective because after two weeks people are like i give up i only got one yes and i have pitched 20 people this isn't working well no Mm -hmm. yeah you got to pitch you gotta tweak your pitch maybe it's too long maybe the subject line sucks maybe it's not the right person um so 90 days and typically how i set it up is i suggest you pitch 10 contacts on a tuesday and then you spend an hour or so finding new podcasts or new media opportunities then on Wednesdays your follow-up day. So whomever you pitched two weeks ago now, you're following up on the Wednesday. You just keep that cadence and that flow. You'll start mm-hmm. seeing things happen. It doesn't require... Have... Are you just building like a pitch list and a spreadsheet and kind of yeah. tracking your communication that way? Okay. Yeah, there's a right. lot of expensive, fancy tools out there. Proudly is one of them. Um, just reach out. And they're beautiful and they do work, but we've only ever used Google Spreadsheets. And let me tell you yeah. why. For the for the authority booster intensive, I work predominantly in Google Suites because most people know how to do that. But I also yeah. teach them how to use Notion if they want to use Notion or Airtable. This stuff can be implemented within whatever software you use. But I just used a software that most people know how to use, and Google Suites is one of them.
0: Right. Great. I love that. Yeah, sheet. We use sheets at FPS, and I mean, yeah, it's like it's everybody uses it. So that's great, exactly. Great way to go about it. And you know me personally. I'm sure you get this too. And then people that you know are up the founders and owners of other companies experience this as well. We're inundated with stale emails, pitch emails, outreach emails. And so, how if you're trying to send those emails to get new podcast guests or get your brand um, mentioned somewhere, how do you stand out in all of those emails? that someone like a founder or a leader or a speaker
1: get. Yeah, uh, subject line is huge. Okay. So, and subject line. Good... Subject line. Cool, this is the hardest part of a pitch. Um, mm-hmm. So, I teach this all in my program, too. But I use a free tool called Co-Schedules, um, Subject Line Analyzer. It's ah, like, oh, my God, I needed that for like, a... it's been around for so long. Yeah. So great, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's mostly for emails or blog posts. But, I mean, yeah, it works great. So what we do is when we think about, okay, put it this way, sneaky trick is when it comes to pitching media, could be podcast too, is most of the time you won't receive a reply. They, they hardly ever just say no if they're not interested, unless they find maybe you're annoying, um, <laughs> but they might come back to that email. So what's important is that while you're making this like detailed um, ideal customer list, you also need to think about your keyword list. So people are like, so confused. Okay. That's just SEO, Renee. No, because what happens is with journalists is your story might not be relevant to them now because they're not writing about that thing. But maybe in a right. week or month or next year, they're going to be assigned an article and they will search their inbox for certain keywords. Mm, that is so genius. Yeah, So you're right. I've never thought about that. Layer your keywords nicely <laughs> into mm-hmm. the email. You can even tie it into the subject line. Subject line needs to be short, sweet, and punchy. Your email needs to yeah. have one call to action. I can't tell you how many times you probably see this too, of which I've been pitched probably to be on my show. But I'll, I'll reply. I'm like, I'm sorry. Gianna's great, but I actually don't know what you want from me right now. Do you want her to be on yeah. my show? Like, ask the question. So I always just say, right. hey, would you like me to connect you with Gianna today to be a guest on your show? In bold Underlined. That's the ask. Yeah. Okay. That's
0: most people just like great tips.
1: Oh man. And every email you send out, every single one needs to be custom, personalized. No mass email anybody. It just looks ugly. It won't get open. It gets stuck in junk mail. Um, so it needs to be short and sweet. Journalists receive hundreds, if not thousands, of emails a day. Podcast hosts the same. So how do you cut through the clutter? You gotta be unique. So I was working with a client, Amber. We're still working together now. Her book launched a month ago. And it took me the better part of a month and a half to fine-tune her pitch to the point where we finally got one that get, got open. This was like subject line pitch. It was finally the one that was banging. Yeah. Nice. It was short and sweet. It had like bullet points as to why she'd be a great guest for your show, her expertise, some questions you can ask as a host. Um, and people are like, Absolutely. Like, send her over, make the intro, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're like, finally, we get, and like, when it finally starts hitting, you're like, this is it. This is the one. Because the first one's usually not going to work. Second like, yeah. one, oh, maybe. Oh, man, I
0: love that. So you're inspiring me. I'm going to go back and look at our like, hedge emails and be like, oh, what are we doing wrong? Like, we could probably be taking some of this phone advice for our email that we're
1: sending out for mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. um Okay. And years ago, I know that HARO was all the rage, right? Like everybody was like, oh, it's such a cool tool. You can reach journalists. You should be monitoring it as a brand. But now that kind of old news a little bit, HARO is something that people probably still should be using. But I'd love to hear from you. What is the new tool or the new way that people should be thinking about doing this type of PR in 2023?
1: Okay, quick download. Harrow, help a reporter out. There's the equivalents called Source Bottle. Essentially how these work is journalists or contacts can create their profile and they have a query because they're writing a story about XYZ. Um, I still subscribe to it. And we have yeah. a quick little morning routine where we go through the queries. I will yeah. say if you're in the design space, <laughs> if you're in the design space, if you're in the food industry, a chef... An OBGYN, a family therapist. There's a lot of queries for those right now. <laughs> okay. But there's not so much for tech companies. Anyway, um, Source Bottles, the equivalent, but more Australia, UK focused. Um, okay. If you haven't paid attention to the news, there's been a lot of layoffs at mass publications. National, Ge- National Geographic just announced they laid off their last staff writer. Um. Yeah. The publication is still in existence, but Meredith.dash, um, insider, you name it, a lot of publications laid off their staff writers. So what does that mean? These brilliantly talented writers are now freelancers. They're harder to find. They are now starting Substacks and even that's getting old. So a Substack, do we you know a Substack? Okay. Yeah. Which you can essentially they can charge like 80, 90 bucks a year. And you subscribe to their Substack and they write their queries in there problem now is that I have Substack. Um, I'm subscribed to, like, I don't know, 12 or 13 of them. And now i have like, inundated emails. So Hero was great because it, it had, like, a, a summary, a digest of all the queries. Now I'm getting right. 13 emails a day from separate writers. Oh, and it's, like, PR is increasingly becoming way more difficult. It's way more yeah. expensive. It's harder to find the opportunities. I want to yeah. say you got to lean on your relationships more, but at the same time, these writers are bouncing around or taking on yeah. articles that's not necessarily their beat, and their beat is the content they typically write about. It is right. it is tough. I teach you kind of how, how to do it, how to, how to approach it. to yeah. Be successful with it is you always have to have your eyes and ears open to opportunities. Okay. Follow these people where they're most active online. You find a journalist that writes about your industry. She or he is active on Twitter. You follow them. You engage with them. Follow them on Instagram, wherever. Wherever they show up online. If they have a blog, um, you subscribe to their content. You leave comments on their content. You like, you share their stuff. Right? So for me, it's hard because I work across several different industries. But for your listeners, they typically have one industry so you can kind of right. exhaust the list of people that write about your industry um that's the best way to go because Harold can be a little overwhelming you get like three email digests a day and sometimes mm-hmm. you're just like oh my god
0: yeah it's annoying that you like quiet yeah i like need <laughs> them i find myself doing that but yeah <laughs> Cool. All right. So you follow the journalists, follow publications, or you follow Renee and We Women to get some of these tips on how to do it. Um, (laughs) Okay. Let's go through three final questions to wrap our podcast up today. Um, I would love for you to tell everybody what is your one hashtag work from anywhere item
1: or tool that you could never live without? Oh, I'm so not creative here. My laptop and my my phone. I don't have to think that's unique. Um, nope. That is it. Cool. Well,
0: very <laughs> essential. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any remote productivity hacks you want to share with our listeners? Anything that you think keeps you focused as a remote worker?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. So we just finished doing two weeks in Croatia. First week was on a boat. Second week mm-hmm. was touring around. I had two boys. I yeah. had husband. Last fall, we did three weeks in Spain and Portugal. We've done spring break in Cabo. Of which work never stopped. Yeah. But like, how do you do this? Well, our kids are old enough to like feed themselves because they're 10 years old. Um, but we always say morning is work. So <laughs> like for me, it's like from 5 a.m. until probably 11 is when I get the most work done. In those, tr- like the travel time, not necessarily remote, but the traveling is we don't do recordings. So I front load all my podcasts or being guests on some else's show. Um, so that I don't have to worry about that. I also make sure there's no meetings set up. so what I do don't really have to have meetings. Um, but you know, sales calls and those things, they come up. I just make sure that my, so I use Calendly to book, to block out time. I just make sure that stuff's block out for when I'm, you know, on vacation or traveling. Um, but really it's just, if you have kids or a partner whatever it is, is you say, these are the hours that I need to work. So you have to respect that. You can go and play, you can go on your iPad, You can serve yourself breakfast. Just don't come and bug me. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So you're
0: creating boundaries with how you work when you travel. To make sure that it works for you to explore, but also get your work done. I love that. Cool. Final question. If someone wanted to
1: learn about you, where should they go online? Woohoo! They can find me at wewildwomen.com or on Instagram at Renee underscore Warren. Cool. All right. Renee, thank you so much for joining us
0: today on the podcast. It's been great to talk to you about all things PR. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Remotely Cultured with me, Gianna Barrett. I hope that you loved what you heard in this episode and will help spread the word by sharing it with your circle. Check out our other episodes on your fave podcast app and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show. Until we meet again, keep adventuring.